Welcome to the Revenue Marketing Report powered by Caliber Mind. Our goal on the RMR is to help marketers move from subject matter experts to strategic business partners. I'm your host, Kamala Thompson, and today I'm thrilled to introduce Tyler Pigott. Tyler, tell us a little bit about yourself. I love it. Thanks for having me. This is going to be a fun conversation today. So yeah, my name is Tyler Pigott. I run a marketing and branding agency called Loan for Creative right now. Started that about seven years ago. Previous to that, I spent about 15 years in the corporate PR and communication space, helping launch products and worked for a couple of different investment companies through that and startups through that and had all sorts of fun. And for some reason, I wanted to jump on the other side. I worked with lots of different agencies over that period of time and uh, was generally a little bit dissatisfied, I guess, working with some agencies, big and small. And so I decided for some reason or another was super optimistic and jumped in on the, on the other side of the other side of the table, I guess you could say. So I've had lots of fun. Um, We're about 20 employees now, hundred percent remote team distributed across the nation. I want to say we were remote before it was cool. And because I knew there was a global pandemic coming, coming, but that's none of that was true. So um, <laughs> yeah, we have lots of fun and I'm excited to dive into our conversation today. You know, which is actually a really good segue into our conversation. So uh, a lot of people have been calling it the great resignation, the great reshuffle, the it, whatever catchy, pithy news thing we can think totally. of. Let's just label it that. Yep. So let's talk about why anyone hires anyone. Because a lot of us are looking to move positions. And I think it's really advantageous for all of us to understand how to put our best foot forward. Yeah. So it sounds like you've been through quite the hiring blitz. What are the key traits you look for in an employee? Do you look more for like expertise, niche expertise, or is it more like a personality fit? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a mix of both. Honestly, I think that there's like, I've always been one of those people that like looks at resumes as more of like a, Oh, that's cool. What you have done, but it's not going to tell me what you will do kind of thing, you know? And so I, I mean, obviously it's important to have those and that, you know, fast forwards the conversation. Cause you can like answer lots of questions by looking through someone's resume and such. But I would say we kind of hire both. Like we're looking for a specific skill set, you know, maybe in a certain department, maybe it's content, maybe it's design, maybe it's development, maybe it's strategy, whatever. But then also like looking for in our line of work when since since we started remote like you have to be comfortable on video like it was like a requirement from day one because that we're on video all the time with clients and internally and like if you're not comfortable on video that's gonna be a problem so we look for people that are confident more like kind of comfortable in their own skin now obviously you've got to balance that too of not overconfident and all that good stuff but we look for kind of like those key characteristics of like hungry humble and smart you know, hungry that they're driven and want to achieve things. You know, they're not satisfied with where they're at now, but they want to learn and get better at what they're doing and hone in their craft and those types of things. But yet they're humble in which they're not like, oh my gosh, I know everything. I'm, you know, the knowledge pin or whatever kind of thing. And they're willing to kind of, you know, put themselves out there and learn. And then the kind of last thing I would say we look for outside of those like characteristics of like their skill set is more of like they want to, I want them to prioritize people and be a team player. We've all worked around people that are just like, you know, want to mow people over and don't really care about whatever, like they, their self-awareness is very low, I guess you could say. Yeah, I was going to so. say, I don't think they're aware they're doing that. Yeah, like totally. a lot of times it doesn't seem intentional at all. It's just yep. more of a, 
single-mindedness. <laughs> yeah, totally. They're like eye on the prize or whatever it is way down the road. They don't know that there's a wake behind them potentially or that people would feel a certain way. And I think as far as like building cultures and those things, you have to have people that are aware of what they're doing because it can create toxicity in a culture really fast. If people are not aware of things they say or ways they come across or, you know, people they step on or whatever. So that's super important. So we learn to look at those ty- those kind of characteristics outside of like skill set or or craft that they've honed over the years. So. We've kind of touched on the key traits you look for regardless of position, but if we could kind of reiterate that one more time, yeah. I'm hearing, of course, self-awareness, which we just covered in depth. It sounds like soft skills are extremely important no matter what position you're in. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think so reiterating like, well, I'm going to be confident. They need to be comfortable in their own skin. We need to be like hungry to go achieve things, but humble to learn as well. So they're not, you know, they're teachable. They're willing to like accept feedback and those types of things. Um, so like that constant learner mentality and then prioritize people kind of be, be uh, like team player first, you know, kind of believe that they're going to get somewhere further faster if they, if there's a group of people versus by themselves. So. Yeah, it's my way or the highway does not work anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and I think people need to realize, especially in operations, there's always five, 10 different ways to do things. Yeah. So being able to communicate your own opinion in a way that's palpable, I think it also involves a lot of selling because you have to sell the other person on why this approach might be better and what they might be missing out if they go the other route. Yep. So. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like a willingness in this day and age to collaborate. And like you said earlier, I mean, there's like 300 ways usually to get, you know, from A to Z kind of deal. And there's not one. And I think if you deal with people on a team that only think there's one way, like one is that probably won't work. Like it's just because usually it's a zigzag, right? When you get somewhere, it's not like this one perfect thing. And so you have to have people that are willing to like, you know, not, I'm not going to say be willing to be wrong, but at the same time, be willing to like, oh, that didn't work. Let's pivot and change to this or let's shift to that or let's change a strategy or or whatever. And so they have to be willing to communicate and, and collaborate kind of within a team environment. So, yeah, it, it, even more so now, I think when we're all on video. Yep. So like I know a lot of people want to check out. They don't want to be on video anymore. Yeah, I get it. Like we're all at home. We have home lives happening all around us. But at the same time, if you were in the office, you couldn't just hide under your desk. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. So, yeah, it's I don't know. Like at what point you have somebody who refuses to show up on video repeatedly. Now, granted, everybody's going to have a period of time where they need some grace and some time to do that. But like, how do you, I guess, sell your employee on the idea that connecting over video face to face is much more effective than just verbally? Yeah. I mean, oftentimes I'll turn my video off. And then, hey, like, I need you to read my body language. I mean, Which a minute. I no mean, one listening can do right now, but it was pretty no. great. There's definitely a little sass. <laughs> yeah, but like, it's true though, right? I mean, like, there's so much that happens. Like, say it's a one-on-one meeting with your manager or something like, and I'm going to go olden day, quote in quotes, I'm using my fingers in quotes, like two years ago, right? Plus? Yeah are like you're sitting across from each other and you can say the same words, but you can read body language and it's way different. And I would say in the line of work that we're in from a, like a marketing standpoint, vendor partnerships to brands and companies, you have to be able to read people. Like, you know, if you read a paragraph that you wrote or you have a strategy that you're pitching or a campaign you're pitching or whatever, like you have to know, like, 
do they are there is there hesitancies are they all looking around the room at each other are they kind of waiting for this person in the room over there to make a decision well then you know the decision maker quickly like there's so many things that you can learn from that and it's the same internally it really is it's like and so i would say for us like from day one, you weren't, I mean, you're not going to really have a job here if you don't use video. Like it, it's, it, I don't really know how to operate an organization remotely full-time. Like we don't have, we're not doing a hybrid thing. We're not doing this because of the pandemic. We're not like it, it is primarily, I, I did the corporate side. I did the hundred hours a week. I did the travel two, three weeks a month. And that wasn't, I was like, Nope, this is not a healthy lifestyle. This isn't something I'm interested in for the next 30 years. Mm-hmm. Like I get that people have done it before me and continue to do it now. That's just not how I'm wired. And so I had to kind of figure out that. And then also want to find people that also wanted to figure out a different way to work. And so that requires video and connection like this. So yes, indeedy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, Caliber Mind is wonderful. They've allowed me to spend, you know, up to half the year on the road for yeah. an RV. It was totally. where I'm recording right now. So if you hear background noises, it is what That's it what is. It is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's amazing. Like you can be in the middle of nowhere, have great internet connection and get a ton of things done, but without video, it's just so much harder. And we were talking to Sam Becker in a previous episode about burnout and establishing boundaries and how essential it is to have boundary conversations with people when you can see them face to face. So you can read how things are resonating, if they're confused, because you want to, if you're trying to put a boundary in place, like I can't work a hundred hours a week. I need you to trust that I'm going to get my work done and that we're going to prioritize together. I'm going to raise a flag if I don't think I can get things done. If I say that over email, it's not going to land. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, it's so true. I mean, it's like the perfect living example of like social platforms Mm -hmm. and so many people say things that they would not say to me personally or to the person they're talking to. There's no way they would never say them because I know it for a fact, like we all know the people oftentimes in those platforms, you know, that we're seeing their comments and you're like, wait a second, this person said that you're going, I've never heard them talk that way, you know, have a, have a personality tint to that direction or whatever. And then they say it in words because they don't, it's just words. And also how many times have we all read emails or or comments on social or whatever, and you take it a certain way, like through a certain filter, but that also might've not been how they meant to say it. And so that's one thing that we don't know yet in text formats that you don't know how things are coming across. And I would argue it's the same in audio versus video versus combining the two. And if it's just audio, you have to be an extremely dynamic person and use lots of inflection in your voice and whatever to have people actually understand it versus mm-hmm. you can see it a lot more if someone's engaging on video. So, yeah. 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 Like seeing the nodding and the, yeah. which is so funny because we're doing a podcast right now and now totally. we can see what we're doing, but yep. our vocal inflections should yep. help along the way. Yeah. Maybe we should start doing video too. Totally. Great point. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Um, A couple of things to add to that, just to like loop back to that previous conversation. One of the things that we do look for a lot specifically because of video interaction is we want like authenticity and people that are genuine. You know, it's super important to build a brand that way. It's also Mm -hmm. important when many people are talking to clients and representing your company to customers and those types of things need people to be authentic. And that means different things to different people. But often if you blend it with the rest of those kind of like values, 
values, I guess you could call them or characteristics. You could call them of people that we're looking for. Mm-hmm. It's that makes sense. Cause you're like, okay, I got it. Genuine authenticity. You know, that's how you build trust with people. And in our business, that's really what we're selling. We're selling trust. We're yeah. Selling, and I like, feel, yeah. And I feel like part of that is really a tolerance for tension and disagreement because I think any customer would agree that bad news is fine if you tell me immediately and yeah. and we hash it out. But if I find out three months later, it's going to be so much worse. So I've yeah. never understood the um, mentality that, you know, I'm going to tell you what you want to hear and keep you happy right now and then have things explode down the line. Yep. So I think there's definitely a degree of tolerance for discomfort that comes along with that. Yep. attribute. Would you agree with that? Oh, totally. Yeah. I, I mean, it's super funny because I would say that most of the time leaders of companies or managers, I would, and I don't know, the olden day or current day, whatever, I would just would overall, I would generalize and assume that they think people can't handle things. And so like, say for instance, they're sharing some whatever finance detail, or they're sharing where like the health of the company or some of those things, if you invite people into that early on, most of the time they're going to go, okay, yeah, I'm in, let's go. And I'm always surprised by that, you know, because often these kind of are like, as a you know CEO of a company, you're kind of like, oh my gosh, if I tell people like the reality, are they all going to like bolt for the hills? Right. Yeah. You know, and most of the time people are pretty bought into the work they're doing and they're interested in it and they appreciate the transparency. Yep. And the ones that don't are going to leave and that's okay. And it stinks. Like I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying like, but you're also not trying to trick people into working into something that they're not aware of what's going on. And so I think that there is like, it's super important. I would also say as someone that leads a company, if I'm transparent, my employees are transparent too. If I'm authentic, my employee, it all trickles down. If I'm not that, if I don't like embody these characteristics, the expectation is kind of hypocritical a little bit. If I'm not going to do it, but I expect other people in my team to. And so you kind of have to do a lot of like self uh, reflection to say, Oh, I'm going to write these things down. And these are the people I'm looking for. But I also need to be challenged by those things and go, oh, I want to attain those or be, you know, aspire to, you know, be there at some point um, and be working on it and show show progress towards it. So I don't Absolutely. know. That's, it might be challenging to some people and it's challenging to me and I it's in my face every day. But at the same standpoint, I've spent enough time on the other side, kind of and I'm not called the other side all the time, my corporate space. And a lot of what I've built and what I'm doing now is the opposite of what I saw. And I just passionate about that. I'm like, no, I don't think it has to be done that way. I get that. You've got to be a little bit ruthless in business and people run over you. And like, it's not fair. And like, I get all those things, but the, but same the time, look on my face is like, but do you really, <laughs> cause there's gotta be a better, there's gotta be a better way. There's gotta be, totally. no, I don't yeah. think so. Yeah. I think that there is. And that's what I feel like yeah. I'm trying to figure out how to build it. And Ultimately, I think that the companies that are well run and have a good culture to them are the ones that last. It's generally not the ones that are just kind of like, you know, oh, we're cutthroat and we just run people over. Like, great, they might get somewhere quickly, but they're also going to have super high turnover and their brand's not going to be that exciting and it's going to be pretty stale and not fun to work there. And so, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I just think of, you know, having been in situations like that in the past, watching all of this intellectual property walk out the door on a regular basis and everybody get jet setted back quite a while because they have to figure out 
what gap that person was filling. So it's yep. just, it's not smart. So speaking of which, yeah. marketing ops is in super high demand right now. So what should we be telling hiring managers to prioritize if they want to retain their talent? Oh man, this is a good one. Cause this is like, it keeps us all up at night, right? Yeah. And I also would say it goes a little deeper to me than just what we should be telling hiring managers because they have to be able to like back it up. And so, I mean, some of the things that come to mind when you ask that are like, well, what's the mission of your organization? Like, where are you going? What's the story of it? And are you inviting people into it? If you're just saying, hey, I want a content writer, I want a Marketo specialist, I want a Salesforce admin, whatever you're looking for on the marketing ops side, that's great. But like, what are they going to do? Because you know that there's 15, 20, 100 opportunities out there for the same role. And so you have to figure out a way of like, well, what are you building? And then are you inviting people to be a part of it? And so that is mission. That is vision. That is where you're going. What are you building? What are you aspirationally trying to achieve? And that has to be done like at a leadership level. That has to be done at a company directional level before you can go, oh yeah, hiring manager, we've got a really cool thing we're building. Can you just find these five people and then be a part of it? I don't know how to like, it's not authentic. You know, when they're trying to bring people in, it's not authentic to touch on some of the earlier components. And it's not interesting. It's like, I would say, I had this conversation recently. It might've been another talk or a conversation like this, but, and we were talking about the old uh, way of like punch in, punch out, collect a salary and how that's like, it's, I remember a time when people were talking about like, at some point people will change their minds. Like it won't always be that way. Well, people are a little, will want to be more mission, you know, or, you know, directional and be a part of something. And I would argue today that's completely gone. I have not met very many people or really anybody that's like, oh yeah, I don't really care. I'm totally content with just punch in, punch out, collect a salary. Hi, I'm Kamala Thompson, Director of Growth at Caliber Mind. A lot of times we talk to prospects and they're excited about modernizing their marketing analytics, but they're worried about the data underneath. And that's a valid concern. That's why we came up with our Back to Basics Bootcamp to help you address all of the issues that stand in the way of you and insights that actually make sense. We'll meet each month to review a best practice. In addition to that, you'll walk away with handouts that go through how to implement each piece and a Slack channel where you can ask experts on demand about your organization, your processes, your systems. I know it sounds too good to be true, but it's free and product agnostic, and we really suggest that you take us up on it. The program starts on February 8th, 2022, and space is limited, so register today at calibermind.com. Like I don't really know very many people that are like that anymore. They're very not much very many. I think there are a few who yeah. are very hobby driven and yeah, just sure. you know work to live. Yep. Which I'm kind of envious of a little bit because I have a really hard time like not caring. So <laughs> yeah, totally. And I but, get yeah. that. I get it, but I'd also argue and I'd push back on those people and go, "Well, you like what you're doing enough because you're also spending what 40, 50 hours a week doing yeah. it." And so yeah. there is something that's driving them to be there. It's not just like collecting that. They're not like tuning out for 50 hours a week. There's yeah. some sort of engagement that they're interested in. And I would say that like moving forward and finding people, like they have to, you have to invite them into something. I use that word all the time because it's super important to just not have like this static thing that exists that you're just hoping people like jump into. Let's like this train that's moving and you hope they jump on. Well, you have to like reach out a hand and like pull them on and like invite them to be a part of it and really lay out like 
This is what the future can look like. This is what success looks like on our team. This is what happens when success is achieved. This is what growth opportunities are. Like you have to work to to lay those things out for the people that are motivated to be part of organizations as they're growing. Because most people that are attractive uh, from an employment standpoint are the ones that are pretty skilled, right? They're the people and they built that skill and they are in high demand for a reason. And so like you have to then you have to also show it to them. You have to show like, well, this is what happens when you have success. And I've used that multiple times, but we do that really, like we've worked really hard to figure that out. And our group is just like, yeah, here's your job description, but here's what success looks like. And this is what, as this team rolls out, this is what an opportunity could look like. And our organization is really small. And so I'm sure there's people listening to this that have way bigger teams, mm-hmm. but I'd also argue to go, okay, if you hire someone, the right person is going to want to be like uh, success motivated and they're going to be a little bit driven to want to go, well, what's next? And it might not necessarily all be just pay increases. It might be responsibility changes or mm-hmm. they might want to move out of a department at some point or, and so you have to lay that out and you have to give people like the picture of what that is. So you can invite them into it. So those are a couple things. Yeah. I was, I was just thinking, going back to one of your original points where you'd done the hundred hours a week, you don't want to do it again. Yeah. I think, One of the things I would caution people, I don't know how you prevent this, but I think when people identify themselves as their job so, so much, like you, you run into that risk of a hundred hours a week and it's not sustainable. So how, how do we help people balance out? How do you keep them from working a hundred hours a week? Yeah, that's a good question. I think that like one of the things that we've tried to do is ask questions about what's going on. Like, Hey, what'd you do this weekend? Like, what is what? Oh, that's really fun. And then make a note and follow up on it. Like, if, Oh, you're doing this thing and it's, whatever it's a it's a running race or it's a biking thing or it's a fun hobby and you're going to we had an employee that went to i am butcher the name i think it's called the hershey like a park or something like that and it's like an amusement park that's based in hershey and like there's like a hershey spa and there's like an amusement park and there's like all these things and she would involve check chocolate it, then it, yes it does involve chocolate yeah and that's, yeah so, that sounds great then totally. exactly. <laughs> but like we had a conversation in part of a staff meeting to touch base on hey how'd it go what was it what were the highlights what would you like about it and it like it's highlighting and taking company time to talk about people's individual lives obviously not everyone wants to share, right? That's okay. Like that's not, that's not the point of it is that everybody would share and everyone feels awkward, but it's more so like, it's okay to highlight things that are going on outside of the company and outside of like, you know, Hey, this is our mission. This is our vision. This is where we're going. Here's all the projects. Here's all the clients, all the challenges, whatever, like Mm -hmm. take time outside of it. It's okay that you would spend time learning about people, emphasizing things that are outside of it. Cause usually what it does, since we do take time with it, is, is it makes people then want to share when something cool is going on in their life. And it could be a trip they take. It could be a new brewery they went to. It could be a new car they bought. It could be whatever. And then I would say it's like celebrating those things too. So it's making sure you're just like highlighting them and going, that's super cool way to go. Like, and then you're transitioning that to other managers that are highlighting those things too, because then it makes it people want to share. It makes people want to go, Oh, it's okay. That, Cause you kind of have to give people permission that it's okay to have a life outside of work. Because I would say historically that hasn't necessarily been something that's 
pushed, right? Oh um, yeah, and, no, and not at all. Yeah, like push a balance. It's important because it means you're going to get better, more focused work. It means that people are going to be more interested in showing up to their jobs, and so you do want to push a balance, even though it's a little bit like contra, you know, uh, contradictory to what you think. I'm just, I want more hours, and you're like, well, that's not always true. So right, right. No, I love that because it's acknowledging people are human and they can't. They're not robots. Like you yeah. can't just crank out the same quality of work every hour of the day it's yeah they need breaks so i'd yeah. love that okay so especially in creativity I, that's one of the things that's yeah. been super fun to try to figure out is, is like on-demand creativity usually doesn't exist and so you have to be willing to be empathetic towards people that are creative because of the fact that they might be creative at like 11 p.m at night give them permission to do that and that's okay so oh yeah one of my favorite designers yeah i i Give you a deadline, you hit the deadline. I don't care when you work on it, <laughs> totally. just because it's going to look great. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay, so last one before we go on another question is that I want to highlight because you said it a little earlier, yeah. um, and essentially, like it's follow through on your word. It's uh, embrace or lean into tension, and it's okay that there's tension. Um, and that's one of the things that I feel like in the corporate world. I worked for lots of different managers, and I'm not going to say all, but several of them weren't. They would say like, "Oh yeah, at this point, whatever. It could be a raise. It could be a company retreat. It could be whatever thing that is like a carrot that's out of." the end. And then I might achieve it and then nothing gets brought up or I might yeah. get close to it and the company direction change or something, but it's silence. Right. Yeah. And so it's super important that you bring it up. And it's super important that even though as a leader or manager, maybe you can't give that raise because of a financial position in the company, or maybe you can't do that certain thing, but bring it up and say, man, I'm so sorry. I know that we talked about this. I'm acknowledging it. And I'm also going to say, Hey, I really, this is still forefront. We'd still need to achieve this yeah. and let's check in in 30 days and then actually follow through. Those are the things that people don't do. I would say in general, and that's what builds trust within an organization to like follow through. And I'm not saying follow through. Like you have to do whatever the thing is. You have to grant the thing, give the raise or do the thing every single time, but you have to acknowledge that maybe you got there and you can't do it, or maybe it changed or the target shifted, but at least yeah. talk about it. So that's the one thing. Absolutely. Follow through anyway. so. Well, and, and think from the perspective of the person who didn't get the raise, how much sure. worse it feels if they're wondering if it's because of something they did wrong or yep. their skill set or something along those lines, and then yep. just telling them, Hey, we're in a recession. I'm so sorry. Totally. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I think it's important. So Anyway, we can move on. Just wanted to add that to the, how you create an environment to like retain talent for sure. No, I'm but. glad you did. That's a good, great point. So let's see. I'm thinking back to every interview I've ever done. And <laughs> <laughs> at some point, the hiring manager really wants to dig into something that's gone wrong in the past. And they want you to like reveal something that's gone wrong. Why, why is that? Why do people ask those sorts of questions? So good. It is a, it's a good question. I think it's important to understand how people recover from that. Yeah. I think how people recover from and recover might be the wrong word, but like shift or, you know, get back on track or whatever you want to call it. But like, that's usually just what you want to know because you just know it's not, I mean, I think anybody that's realistic and I dragged that word out because it's like, you have to be realistic, but anybody that's realistic knows that they're not going to be perfect hundred percent of the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm just hoping that people make like 51% of good decisions and 49% of bad decisions. Yeah. And I think your point earlier to, uh, you have to model the behavior you want to see and right. how you handle mistakes in front of your employees is, is so formative for yeah. how your team is going to respond to them. So yep. 
I, I can see it just comes to mind that you shouldn't really ask anything of people that you don't expect yourself to do. I thought yeah. that was such a good point earlier. Yeah. So I, I loved it because I had, uh, there's an employee that we have on our team and we were in a staff meeting and I kind of asked at the end of it, you know, Hey, is any other comments, anything anybody wants to add before we jump here? Cause obviously it's on a zoom call. And, um, one of the people literally called me out like in the midst and they're like, Hey, if you could just, if you could please send over those files, that'd be really helpful. And she did it like really playfully and it was great, but it definitely was like, Oh yeah, you're right. hundred percent. And then like, I got off the call and I did it right away. Cause I, not, cause I loved it. I was like, this is awesome. I love that these people like are making me stick to things that I ask. So I think it's super important. But. Yeah, totally fair. Yep. So how do people, how should people navigate the really tough conversations? Like we've run into cases where people have only been in a position for a few months or, and it's so tough. I've seen people kind of shoot themselves in the foot, but I would love to hear your perspective on, you know, how should we think about answering those questions? How should we position ourselves? Yeah. Well, I think it's also important, like, so if people, like, if you're looking at a resume and someone has like a gap in their resume or like, you know, what you do for five months, looks like this one ended. And it's like, maybe, you know, maybe it's what you're doing. It's like, Hey, I travel, I got a, an RV or a trailer. I got a van yeah. and I traveled and, and you're like, well, tell me what you learned. Why'd you do that? first off, and then what'd you learn from it? Like, and digging into it a little bit more in a positive, not just assuming it's a negative. So if someone spends three months at a job, might've just been a bad choice they made. Maybe they needed a reason to get out of a job they'd been in for five years or something. And then they got into it and they're like, I just didn't like it. Oh, interesting. How do you identify that? What was your process to figure out you didn't like it? Oh, they let you go. What happened? What'd they tell you? And I think it's okay to dig into some of those types of things with a you do. It's super important to have like an inquisitive, like curious uh, tone of voice to it versus a assumptive that you did something wrong, because most people are going to then, you know, they feel back into a corner at that point and they're going to try to defend why I did a good job or I, I, it was OK or like they, you know, whatever, they let me go and it wasn't they should never. And so I think it's important to like dig into those types of things. And it can be other things, too. It can be, you know, like if, if it's if it is that time on a resume or. Um, oftentimes we'll ask like questions specific to, okay, it looked like you were there for five years. Like, that's great. That's, that seems like a long time in, in the marketing space. Like, did you leave because you're burned out? Did you leave because of the environment? Like, talk to me about that. Like, mm -hmm. and then it oftentimes will lead into other things that once they kind of open the door a little bit, you can then understand like, oh, they're willing to talk about it. Okay, great. So how do you handle stress? Like, what is the way in which you bring up issues if you see them in a culture or, you know, like mm -hmm. you know, being able to kind of, and I keep saying dig into things, but I think it's okay. I think one of the terms I've heard a bunch right at lately has been double click, like double clicking on those things and digging a little bit deeper into them, you know? Yeah. That one's kind of a peeve of mine, but yes, I hear that all the time. <laughs> I hear it too. And the reason I said it is because I'm like, I'm not sure I really like this. Nah, I mean, yeah. essentially you're digging into it, right? You're going the direction. You're kind of going down that, that rabbit hole a little bit. Yeah. Because it's yeah okay. No, no, it's, it's accurate. Yeah, I, I it totally like, is. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, cheating. I'm like, oh, does everything have to be tech based? Yeah. So I'm going to use the term double click five more times in our conversation just to annoy you. So, uh, no, I'm okay. Just well, and I'll just comment on the eyebrow twitch. So, uh, <laughs> so a lot of times before people make the decision to leave a place, they have to get to an emotional point where yeah. they're uncomfortable. And that's typically when they're interviewing, and it can be really easy to fall into a trap of just venting about everything you hate about your current employer. Yeah. It's such a sticky place because you can see why they want to do that and 
where they're at, but it's kind of a red flag because it doesn't seem like they're ready to like emotionally move on to the next place. How should, when is it okay for someone to be extremely burned out and what kind of road to recovery are you looking for? I guess if that's a fair question. Yeah, I think it totally is. I feel like the thing that's coming to mind right now, I did an interview probably before the pandemic. So it must've been two years ago. And I remember like pausing, like kind of stopping and kind of asking the person why and a little bit like, Hey, I get that. Like there's some tension or there was like, you're frustrated by this. And that makes total sense. I totally get it. Like you're, I mean, acknowledge for sure, because I get it. I'm empathetic towards it. Maybe we've all been there. Yeah, exactly. And then I then we'll flip it a little bit and go, Hey, are you able to disconnect what happened from the people? Like, it seems like you're kind of like maybe taking a couple shots of people. And again, that's okay. I understand that. But what is it like that's like the thing that went wrong versus the person that you don't agree with? Or is it both? Like, and just ask about that and like more so like not flipping it on them, but more so like, okay, let's ask a question about it. Let's not mm-hmm. like, like, and so because in some ways it stops the like, you just want to vent. And I, t- I mean, again, I'm like, I get it. Like there's times and I do one-on-ones with our leadership team right now. And, and oftentimes I'll go, Hey, is this a vent? Did you see the vent? Perfect. I'm here. Let's listen. And now we'll, we'll stop after, you know, a couple minutes, like it's okay because some people just need to, okay, I just need to air it out. Like I just need to tell someone about it. And yeah. then, then you can talk about, it. okay, great. So what are we going to do about it or whatever? But like in the interview process, I mean, I don't, I don't think that you should, like I'll go on record for saying that it's yeah, shouldn't bring yeah. that to an interview process, you know, as no. an interview, it is as an interviewer, it is a turnoff, but I think it's important to understand like someone where they're at from like a mindset standpoint and just, Hey, are you able to disconnect what happened versus like from that person? Cause if they're not, then probably they're not going to, they're not going to be able to in your culture. Cause you know, stuff, something's going to go wrong. They won't agree with. So I think I've asked that numerous times. Oftentimes I'll ask like, man, that sounds super stressful. How do you handle that? What are some of the things that you do that are, you know, handling whether it's anxiety or fear or stress or like ask some of those types of questions? Cause then it's just going to show how like self-aware they are as well mm-hmm. as like how they're going to handle it. You know, some people I've had some hilarious, like, yeah, I mean, oftentimes I'll need to leave and go smoke a cigarette and you're like, Oh, okay. Or, you know, there's some different things like that. You're like, interesting. Okay, that's okay. Everybody has the things that they use. But it also does say a lot if you're like, oh, you're going to be on a company retreat or you're on, you know, in, in a sales meeting in person or whatever. Sometimes those things don't, you don't get the opportunity to go do that. And so it just kind of, it's not, it's not a red flag necessarily, but it is an information like a data point as you're kind of going through things. So I don't know. I usually try to dig into those types of things. Like, you know, try to flip that a little bit of understanding it, empathetic towards understanding it, but then also like, well, great. How did you deal with it? Or wow, you haven't dealt with it. And it just says a lot. So, yeah. And I think not everybody has the privilege and space to take some time to reflect, but if you do have that space and you're not in a good headspace and you're already interviewing, maybe you take a couple months off because I'd rather see a gap yeah. It's a few months and have the person say, you know, I was really burned out and I needed some time to figure out, you know, did the situation not align with my values? What were the things that were really setting me off? What things yeah. do I need versus not need in a work environment? I, I would yep. much rather hear that. I think. Totally. Do you agree? I 100%. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Some people can't. And I understand that, you know, some Absolutely. people can't yeah. take three months off. Um, yeah. 
And I think I've always been under the mindset of like, I've always tried really hard to not leave something, whether it's a job or it's a volunteer position or organization or whatever you're part of. I've always tried super hard to not leave because I'm mad because generally I know that's going to follow me. And I know that probably the next job I'm going to leave because of the same thing. And then all of a sudden it's like, wait, hold on. And I did, you know, the denominator in this equation kind of deal. And I'm not saying stuff. I mean, I get it. I've been in numerous jobs and, probably been waded through a lot of crap in certain corporate scenarios enough mm-hmm. to have been through a lot of it, but I've really tried hard to go no, And I have left some opportunities because I've been mad, but generally it comes up again. Like it'll yeah. happen again. It'll be in oh, your absolutely. And so then you have to realize, well, is again, it's back to, am I mad at a person? Am I mad at an issue? Am I mad at something that came up? Like, what am I actually mad at? And it's kind of like, I mean, I feel, literally sometimes I felt like a therapist. I'm asking questions that I've been asked because I've seen a counselor or whatever, you know. And, oh, and um, totally recommend therapy. Yeah, 100%. If, if you can afford I'm, it, absolutely. I'm there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> totally. No, me too. Yeah. Yep. I do think it's important. I honestly, I think it's helped me understand like how I'm wired. It's helped me understand a little more self-awareness of emotions yes. and why those emotions were caused and yep. helps you kind of uncover some of those things and peel back some of the layers, if you will, to understand what's actually at the root of some of it, which has all been helpful. So my little plug for it's okay if you need some help talking through those things. Absolutely. Yeah. I think I've said this several times, but we're our own worst observers Yeah, and it's, it's, we're our own worst narrative narrators. Like we, we, it's a human thing. We just can't see it because we're too close to it. So having that objective third party is very important. For sure. Yep. I really liked how you pointed out that if you start to notice a pattern the the underlying commonality is yourself. Yeah. I actually ended up switching careers because of that. I noticed burnout a couple times and yeah. it was just a good time for a lot of self-reflection. And, you know, sometimes yeah. you find out maybe what you're doing every day isn't working for you. So totally. And I think that's a big deal. Like I just, I do, I compliment people that way. I'm like, I, you can have, and it's hard because lots of people that are like very, I guess, driven or high achievers or high performers or whatever, like they have this thing at the end of the, whatever, the, the carrot way out there, five years away, 10 years away, hundred years away, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I just would encourage people as you're chasing that, evaluate if it's what you want when you get there or get to a certain milestone there, because sometimes it's Check-ins. not. Yeah, totally. Yep. Totally. And I've heard you like you've and... done it too. Like yeah. you realized oh, yeah. hundred hours a week, this corporate existence just, it's not yeah. working. So yeah, yeah. Been a... yeah. <laughs> pause and reflect. It's important. <laughs> and it's so, it's super funny because I think, I don't know. And when I started working, that was not something you did. No. And so it's, but I think it's okay that it is something people do. And I think it's okay that it's done now. And I think that in a lot of cultures, I think it's okay. Like we've had a couple of people that still work in an organization that applied for a job. And then they'd been in that specific position for three or four months. And they came to us and said, man, I just, I love the culture. I love being here. I don't like what I'm doing. And yeah. oh my word, like so fun for me, like me and maybe I'm just wired weird and that's okay. But like, I think it's awesome because you're like, oh, you're super valuable on the team. You're really talented. Yeah. Is there another place that we can shift that skill set that you might be interested in? And we've done it a couple of different times on our team and it's been super fun and they still work for us. And like, it's, it's so like, it's so fun to see them succeed in it because they like kind of, they took a risk by saying they maybe weren't on, we're unhappy. And then 
they might, in some court in some jobs, they might've gotten let go at that point. Well, um, yeah, and so it's super cool. I would say that you handled it in a really admirable way because a lot of people would say, no, you're really good at this thing and we need you to stay here. Yeah. And then dead end for everybody involved, but it's really great to hear that they're still there and still happy. It's super cool. So I think, I mean, I would encourage people who are listening as well. Like as you're having those reflection moments, it's okay to talk to people about them. (laughs) I think that the people that actually believe in like, if you're prioritizing people and you're wanting to like get somewhere and, and running and leading a team, they should be people that are open to hearing things. And you should, obviously you should have had some self-reflection there. Don't show up in just a verbal process moment because that's probably not going to be super helpful. Mm-hmm. But like, if you're like, oh, I, I love these three things, but I don't like these two. How, is there any way that I could do something different? Or is there like, those types of things are okay to talk through. And I, maybe you get some counsel before that and those types of things and how you yeah. present it. But like, I just think that if you like where you're at, you like maybe the products you're working on or the service or the culture or whatever, it's okay to then bring those types of things up. And that we're talking after you've been hired and after you've been working there. And oh, yes. Proven absolutely. value and everything. But yeah. Um, yeah. And so. if it's a really tough conversation, I would add, though, if the other person needs some time to process it and think about it on their side, also helpful because 100%. you don't want them to just say whatever pops into their mind because it yep. may not be where they land. Right. Yeah, yep. totally. Exactly. For sure. Tyler, this has been so much fun. Where can people find you online? LinkedIn's great. Uh, search me on LinkedIn. First name's Tyler, T-Y-L-E-R, and last name's Pygot, P-I-G-O-T-T. And LinkedIn's probably the best place or loanforcreative.com is our website. You can reach me through that too. Perfect. And if you enjoyed this podcast, tell a couple friends, Heck yeah. write some reviews. It it helps. Every little bit helps. So appreciate it. For, sure. for more content like this, check out albermine.com.